Hey everyone, it's Yash Chitre with the Turn On Engagement Podcast. I've got a super special guest today, Nisha Kasam, Senior Vice President, Employee Experience from Edelman. In case you don't know, Edelman is a global communications firm that partners with businesses and organizations to involve, promote, and protect their brands and reputations. And in her role, Nisha leads the Southwest Employee Experience Practice, focusing on change communications, employer branding, mergers and acquisitions, change and communications, internal communication strategy, executive transitions, onboarding programs, and culture change. It's safe to say Nisha is a ninja with what she does. She's going to tell us all about what COVID-19 did to her clients and share some really, really great best practices along the way. Stay tuned. It's all coming up on the Turn On Engagement podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Yash Chitre with the Turn On Engagement podcast. And this afternoon, I have a very special guest joining us today, uh, Nisha Kasim, who is the Senior Vice President of Employee Experience at Edelman. Um, most of you will know uh, Edelman is a very large, very well-known communications firm, uh, serves hundreds, uh, hundreds and hundreds of clients worldwide with all sorts of uh, communications, uh, public relations, marketing work. And uh, today, Nisha has been kind enough to join us and talk about what some of the COVID experiences were like over the past year, past, well, I should say two years now. So it's hard to believe we're coming up on two years, but uh, what was it like in the early days? And she's going to kind of talk about um, some specifics of, you know, how her clients had to react, some of the things that they had to do. So we're super excited to chat with Nisha today. Thanks for joining us, Nisha. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, a little about your backgrounds. Um, you are in the, is it the Houston, Texas office? Was it Dallas? I, I'm in Dallas. So it's I, Dallas. yeah, I'm in Dallas. I run the Southwest uh, employee experience team here in Dallas and Houston. And I am originally from Houston actually, but I spent a lot of my career in Washington, DC. So oh. I spent about, you know, 17 years there. I, you know, did my undergrad, my MBA at GW. And then I also spent a significant time in consulting. So in advisory practice, doing large scale change management projects um, for transformational change, and then moved on over to Edelman a few years ago to, you know, really run the Southwest employee experience practice. Fantastic. Wow. That's, that is a, that's a great, that's a great resume and a great, great line of experience. I think uh, particularly the folks that start in, in DC and come out of DC, obviously a lot of uh, think tanks, a lot of, you know, thought and strategy, um, you know, comes out of, uh, out of firms that are, are based there. Um, and it's great to hear that you were able to come full circle and, and bring it home to, to Houston. So, uh, so tell us, you know, what was the, what, what, what's the story? What, what was it like last year? Uh, you know, it's, it's February, March, you know, 2020, everything is shut, shutting down. Uh, what were your clients doing at the time? How did they have to adapt? Uh, you know, what was it like in those beginning early days? Uh, I'm trying to think back, back to March, because it seems like a lifetime ago. No. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, at Edelman, we, we're in client service and I had a number of clients that actually reacted very differently from one another. I had clients who thought it was going to be a temporary 
um, blip and they already wanted to plan, you know, how people were going to return back into the office within a few months, which was kind of surprising. I had other clients who were thinking about, you know, being in a long-term remote uh, workforce and how to manage that workforce and really thinking about the future of work and what that could impact and how that impacts them. Um, and then I had some clients who were just very reactive and not forward looking who are, you know, kind of running it on a day-to-day level and trying to just figure out like how it's going to impact their business and not really thinking about the impact of the workforce as much. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit of different things for everybody. And, and I'm sure, you know, at the time, you know, we didn't know uh, how long this was going to last or, you know, how long it would go on for us. So I, I can definitely appreciate how some companies might have just said, oh, you know, well, you know, this is a short-term thing. We'll get back to it. And some companies may have looked, taken it more seriously and said, no, this is going to be a long-term thing. So what was the employee, uh, you know, response? Like how were re- uh, employees reacting? Yeah. So in, I think employees really were trying to manage like the, not only, you know, at work, but all of the things that were going on on the home life. Right. So now you had employees who, you know, had to set up a home office on a more permanent basis, had, you know, were also teachers for their kids and their families or were isolated who are not react, like interacting with anyone anymore. And so I think employees had a number of different um, mental health issues or mind shifts really during that time while also being a little fearful of, am I going to have a job? Because they didn't really know how this would impact the company that they were in. So pretty stressed out, I would say. I think employees all around were pretty stressed out. Right, right. Were there, uh, you know, special initiatives that you had to undertake that, you know, did your, did your clients come to you and say, okay, we, you know, we need to put a response plan in place and we need to communicate to our employees about what's going on. Um, I'm curious, um, you know, were there any, you know, uh, you know, uses of technology or special initiatives or programming, things like that, that you had to, you know, put together in a hurry and, and give those ideas out? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when, you know, March of 2020 hit, I actually was a member of our Edelman uh, Global COVID Steering Committee as the EE lead. And so I learned a lot from, you know, being on that steering committee on how to approach our clients about this. And so if our clients weren't asking us, we were encouraging them, right, to communicate to your employees set up, you know, internet sites, set up um, communication channels, having empathy for their employees, really understanding where their, where their employees were at um, Mm -hmm. to better be able to engage them, keep productivity up, making sure that, you know, they could still operate business as usual, even though there was a global pandemic going on. And so, yes, we had companies who were coming to us asking for help with communications and crisis Uh, planning scenarios, um, you know, uh, setting up virtual engagement, like virtual engagement ideas. And how do you do that? How do you manage a virtual workforce? All all things and above. But we were also pushing our clients to think about those things and think about the technology that they currently had set up and where they needed to be in order to, you know, drive productivity with their workforce and keep their employees um, 
in the know of what was going on. At this time, employees were getting a lot of information from, you know, their executives on what was going on with COVID as well, right? I think Mm -hmm. employees were reading, you know, reading the news, watching the news, hearing from their friends, hearing from their doctors, but they were getting a lot of information from their own company to see what was going on with COVID, um, what was the reaction, what was the response, what was their company doing in order to help the response um, and the efforts as well. And so I think their information that they were getting just expanded. Right. Um, Right. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I remember at that time, there was so much information coming from so many different directions. And some of the folks that I've talked to um, in this podcast series, uh, you know, have mentioned things like, you know, information overload, you know, yeah. even false information, This, you know, and not knowing which channels to trust, where information is coming from. So, um, you know, I know a lot of companies in the past year, past two years have now put these, you know, um, these appropriate channels into place and, you know, are prepared, you know, uh, for the next global event or whatever else might happen. So I know it's, it's, it's been a, a learning lesson, you know, for, for many, many companies and even for thought leaders like yourself that are doing it at the consulting level and that are actually preaching this stuff. Um, I, I'm sure you guys have, uh, you know, come up with so many things at Edelman now that are best practices that you benchmark that you are now telling your customers, your clients, and maybe even, you know, new ones that you might onboard, let's say next year of, look, here's how we weathered the storm and here's what you, sh- you should be doing, or here's what the, here are the things that you at least need to start thinking about right now, um, just to, just to be protected for the future. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm, and. And just to touch on that, and, and it's changed over the past 18 months, right? So how, communi- you're right, communication was, it was a communication overload in March, April, May, G- June. People were trying to figure out how to engage with their employees. So I don't know if you've ever attended like a virtual happy hour yeah. or, you know, yeah. all of those like virtual touch, touch bases or one-on-ones or, you know, just those types of like virtual social interactions with your coworkers. And if you've noticed, that's really died down in the past year. Mm-hmm. People have Zoom fatigue. People are um, don't have time to attend like a virtual happy hour anymore, and they're and they don't really see the point in that, to be honest. And so you do have to continuously think of new ways to engage your workforce when you are virtual and when you're actually moving back to a hybrid environment. Right. You know, that is a great point because I feel like in the beginning of the pandemic and we started doing these virtual happy hours and, you know, virtual, you know, meet and greets and things like that, there was a novelty to it, right? It was just kind of like, oh, this is new. This is kind of like, well, this is, it's weird, but it's kind of, it's fascinating and interesting that we have to do it this way. And then I wonder if we just all got fatigued, right? O- over yeah. time and just said, you know what, like, how many of these are we going to do every single week? And, you know, it's kind of boring and, uh, you're right. You constantly have to mix it up and come up with new ideas. Um, and, and uh, you know, you, you, you touched on a great point there, specifically as we're going back into maybe hybrid. Um, I know a lot of companies um, are starting to plan for January, February, bringing their workforces back uh, two days a week, three days a week, uh, doing some sort of a hybrid model um, where they can still distance, you know, people and maybe have shared office scenarios and things like that. Uh, what does that look like for for your for your customers? Are they are they planning to to go back? Are they are they going to get their employees back in? 
Yeah, a lot of my clients um, are doing a hybrid uh, working model and some are, you know, a lot of the tech companies you hear are going like fully remote. Um, yeah. There are a good number of, uh, of our clients that are going back hybrid, including Edelman. We're going back hybrid to 60% in the office. And I think it varies for, you know, each person's work style and the way they work and collaborate with each other on what that really looks like. I mean, the number one factor is do you have the technology to support that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you need to make sure you have that, you know, technology in the office that can support everyone being on video all the time or, you know, have, having conference rooms, having collaboration rooms, making sure that you have the technology that can support people who are in the office and that speaking to a group of people who are not in the office. Right. Um, right. So I think that's a, that's the number one factor. And then of course, along with that is like the safety factor, right? How do you make yeah. sure that the office is still a safe environment um, and that people feel that it's, it's a safe environment because the past 18 months, people feel that home is the safe, safest environment, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think that that is also a huge factor in having people come back. Um, another one is just the travel. So a lot of companies are gonna start opening up their travel policies so for 18 months. You know, pr Previous to my Edelman career, I was in consulting, I was traveling Monday through Thursday every yeah. week. And yeah. so, what does that look like in this new world where you're in client service or you're in sales or you're used to, you know, this traveling, um, you know, traveling for work and 18 months you haven't been traveling. And then now you're in this hybrid environment. What does that look like to you? And do you feel safe traveling? Are you comfortable with that? Yeah. Do the people you're visiting feel uh, safe being around you knowing that you just traveled, right? So sure. there's going to be a lot of, a lot of factors in play. Um, and, and uh, you know, the fourth one I would talk about is really when you go back into the office, you know, for 18 months, your workforce has changed, mm. right? Like the, your mm -hmm. team who you left the office with 18 yeah. months ago is not the same team anymore. They may have been laid off. They may have transitioned out or left the company. You may have new colleagues that you've never met before. And so what does that look like um, when you come back into the office and you don't really recognize anyone? Right, right. Uh, these are all great points. And, and just to touch on a few of them, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, traveling and of course, you know, you have to travel to your customers and things like that. And that's the way we did. We, we always did things is obviously face to face is better. Um, but then over the past, you know, two years, we've, we've gone remote and it's become almost like a, a habit and a standard. I'm wondering if some of the customers just say, you know what, we don't need to meet face-to-face. -face. Like we were able to do it for these two years this way. Can we save costs? Mm -hmm. we, uh, you know, cut down on things, you know, every company is obviously looking to, you know, cut costs and things like that and travel and all those things, particularly for consultants and, you know, things like that is, is always the first thing on the chopping block. Um, and, I, and I'm wondering if, if companies have now just, realize and, and this goes into the whole real estate question too of like okay you've got fancy you know real estate and high, maybe in a high-rise office things like that and then all of a sudden everybody went remote uh do we need to pay for that right um or should we downsize it a little bit if we're going to be doing you know hybrid and remote work and people coming in and out on different schedules and things like that so i, I feel like there's going to be all these questions are going to have to be answered 
uh, next year. And in addition to that, um, you know, the mask mandates and the, the vac vaccination mandates, right? The, uh, you know, the test or, you know, uh, you know um, provide proof of, of your vaccination, right? So, you know, OSHA just released some guidelines uh, last week from, from the Biden administration, you know, requiring employers with over 100 employees that, you know, they have to be vaccinated. And if not, they got to do a weekly test and submit those, those, uh, those records. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how that's all going to play out. And obviously that's obviously a political issue and varies state to state and all that sort of stuff. But these are, these things have big impacts and ramifications for, for companies that have to plan um, for their workforces and, you know, all the solutions that they provide in order to keep their, their employees engaged. Um, do you think some of these things are here to stay? Like, you know, I know it's like, yeah, we're all used to doing Zoom calls and team calls and things like that. Or do you think there will come a time where, you know, we will stop doing, and we will we'll use these tools as, as we need to, but the preference is always going to be, no, you know what, let's get back to the way life was. Uh, what's your take on that? My take is that it, the future of work is really a hybrid of, hybrid communications and engagement and working to be honest I really do see that people are productive when they've been remote the past you know 18 months um, they've proven that like if you look at the stock market or if you look at the way that tech companies reacted um, during the pandemic yeah. a lot of them did very well the stock yeah. market is doing very well and I know that's not necessarily an indication of every company however I think you're right where a lot of employees have proven that they are productive at home or remote, um, that Zoom and Teams and Slack and all those communication channels are pretty effective and that people have been you know, getting their work done. And so I really do see it as a combination. Um, I also have seen a lot of our clients doing real estate transformations in the interim, right? So mm -hmm. when they were doing layoffs and they were looking at their expenses, right? And so travel expenses came down, their real estate expenses were also looked at and evaluated on like, what leases can we get out of? What buildings can we sell? Mm -hmm. um, where can we move? If it's not, you know, in a city, can we move our office to a suburb? Sure. And I think companies have been evaluating that for a long time, to be honest. I think this just accelerated that. Yeah. My opinion. And if, and you know, a lot of these real estate agree agreements are 10 years, but if mm. they were able to negotiate or make any changes, I think that's what companies are currently doing, looking at their real estate portfolio. I also think, you know, technology has done wonders, right? For interacting with people like the Zoom and the Teams and, you know, Teams interacting with Microsoft and just, that seamless transition to really create deliverables, work products, engage teams, collaborate has really made everything more effective. And I think that's here to stay. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. Uh, you know, I think for, you know, different industries, it might be different. So obviously, you know, um, you know, workers that have to be there, um, you know, manufacturing workers, retail workers, Healthcare, obviously, there's there's no there's no zooming for that. There's no there's no teams for that. But um, um, I think that in order to you know move things along, particularly with supply chain issues and labor shortages and all that kind of stuff, um, and even getting into 
recruiting and retention because there is a labor shortage, right? So attracting the right candidate to come to your company because you have a great employee experience where you offer things like a hybrid uh, model um, where you do have also have the attractive workspaces where people can come and collaborate because I think there are people that you know are dying to go back to the office in, in some regards too right um, they need that that sort of uh, you know professional social uh, environment um, and it helps them with productivity and things like that so I feel like it's it's a mix for for different different people and different things but I wonder how that's going to affect um, recruiting retention. Um, you know, trying to get your, your workforce engaged with your mission, vision, and values and, and keep those people for the long run uh, versus them just saying, well, no, I'm leaving, not because I don't like the, the, the kind of work that I'm doing or, you know, I don't believe in the company. It's because you don't offer this perk or this mm-hmm. uh, technology or this, um, you know, I can't work from home three days a week or two days a week or things like that. Um, so I wonder, I wonder how that's gonna, that's all going to change, um, you know, moving forward. Um, and, and I also think a big part of it is, you know, solving the question, uh, you know, as parents, you're a parent, I'm a parent, you know, kids in school, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we had to go remote last year because our kids were home. Right. And we had to take care of our children and things like that. So I think if you, you got to answer those questions before we can even start thinking about work and all those, you know, those types of things as well. So all these things play a factor in there, definitely. Um, and all you- the, you know, just to say on, on top of that, I think in every survey that we've done um, with our clients, yeah. all employees want flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just, you're right, being remote or being in the office, everybody just wants the option and the flexibility that goes around um, their work life. Right. And where right. they're working from. And I think that's the main point here is that because there are so many unknowns of mm-hmm. what does January look like in February or what's next after the pandemic? Yeah. Is there something else? Is there going to be another scare or, you know, how have people been working so productively in this remote environment or how more productive can people be in a hybrid environment when you do have face-to-face collaboration and facilitation, for example, or workshops that are really, you know, done better in, in a face-to-face environment. So I think, you know, just to your point, I I agree that there are so many unknowns and unknown Mm -hmm. factors that I think it's important for companies to really just provide their employees flexibility. Right. Right. It's really kind of knowing your workforce and and tapping into their hearts and minds. And I I would imagine that, you know, Edelman being such a, a big firm, a lot of your customers may be saying, well, what do you guys do, right? What does Edelman do, right? Mm-hmm. And looking at you guys as the example of, well, well, how do you guys, you know, what's your policy or what's the policy that, that you guys do? Is it working for you? Um, do you get those types of questions? Do, you know, do they ask you, you know, how, how you guys are doing it? Wait, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. Uh, our CEO, uh, Lisa Ross, actually mandated vaccinations for uh, as part of employment at Edelman. So all of us are vaccinated uh-huh. and we are opening up, Our offices have actually been open so you can go work from the office if you'd like, uh-huh. um, as yeah. long as you have, you know, you're vaccinated, which everyone is. And starting in January, you can come to the office. Um, you know, I think the norm will probably be three days a week, but again, there's a lot of flexibility there in 
how you work, who you work with, what you're doing when you're in the office versus, you know, not in the office and how you're actually using the space. Mm-hmm. So our Dallas office is like an open environment. It has multiple conference rooms, collaboration rooms, different types of spaces. And you use the spaces for different types of meetings, different types of um, ways to collaborate, right? With each other, with our clients. And so it's really using the office as a tool, right? Versus um, a check-in and a check-out kind of way. Right, right, right. Really leveraging it for what what its value is versus I have to go in or or I have to be there just to make my presence be there. Um, Yeah, that makes total sense. And I love to... I love hearing when leadership sets the example. Uh, you mentioned your, your CEO, um, you know, doing the, the vaccine mandate and things like that. Um, I also love it when leaders just kind of humanize themselves, right? And say, look, I get it, right? I, I've got a family, I've got, you know, maybe I've got kids, maybe I've got situations, you know, we're all in the same boat uh, together weathering the storm. Um, uh, did any of your, your, your customers, uh, your clients, or, or even, you know, your CEO, um, have those moments, have those really human moments where they could really connect with their workforce, given we're all going through this global pandemic together. Absolutely. We actually, you know, have newsletters that go out every other, you know, every other week that's do interviews with different leaders in our company and talk about, you know, how have you been working through the pandemic? Like, what are some of your challenges? What are, are you know, what is that, um, shining moment? What are, you know, some of the opportunities that you've discovered? How has it changed your um, relationships with your coworkers and your family? And Mm -hmm. so, you know, as I mentioned, I have two kids, a eight month old and a two and a half year old. And everybody on my team knows my kids' names. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's, that's definitely uh, something that has happened throughout the pandemic, right? Like they have seen my son on a Zoom call before because he's home and we had a, you know, we were remote last year and they've also, you know, I, I actually went on maternity leave during uh, COVID and came back and everybody in our, um, in my team knows, you know, how it is being like a working mother through the pandemic, being at home full time. Um, And so I try to share that with my coworkers and my teams and my clients, not only so they understand the environment I am in, but also that they can share and have those moments with me. Yeah. And so it's really about, you know, being having empathy with your teams, with your coworkers, and really helping them understand where you're at that day and also understanding where they are at that day. So one of my team members actually emailed me this morning saying, oh, I have a sick child at home. So and my husband's traveling. And so I'm going to, you know, have to not be online today and that's okay. Right. Yeah. We understand that. So I think that's a, a big positive coming out of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the key word is empathy, right? It's, it's understanding that we're all going through these moments and, um, you know, giving people the, the room they need to breathe. Um, and then that actually, I feel like makes them then come back and work even harder. Right. Because they, they just feel like, you know, this is great. Like I, I, I got something, now I'm going to give something back, right? You're kind of like intrinsically motivated to work harder, right? And, um, you know, really get into, you know, whatever it is that you're doing inside of the company. So that's that's definitely great to hear. 
Um, and, you know, I always, I always ask this to anybody I interview on these podcasts, because, you know, I think in, in employee experience, employee engagement, internal communications, you know, we're always trying to connect the internal employee brand um, to the external brand, right? No matter what the company is. Um, do you see opportunities for that happening to, uh, you know, for your, your clients, your customers, um, also at Edelman as well, um, where, you know, you can take these stories, um, you know, these sort of nuggets of gold, all these moments that happened over the past two years, uh, and, and convey that to your external brand, your external marketing, um, so that your future customers see that and say, you know, this is, this is a good group of people. These, these are the type of people I want to work with. Uh, they get it, right? Uh, do you see those opportunities? We do. We actually, you know, work with a lot of clients on an employee influencer program or an employee ambassador yeah. program. And so what we do is we help our clients, you know, select certain employees within an organization who can really amplify the messaging that um, the company uh, ha- the company has around maybe their culture or, you know, the uh, products that they have, the services that they offer, or even their like DNI initiatives or their giving initiatives, for example. And so we are helping a lot of our clients use their employees as, you know, a voice and helping their employees also see, you know, take pride in their company and really talk about the, what the company is doing with their greater network. And so we are helping a lot of uh, our clients do that, not only because, you know, we're, we live in a world of information overload and yeah. we, and, and social networking is, um, is pretty big over the past 18 months, but also to help our employees like have that sense of culture, right. And have that sense right. of like, you know, I'm so proud to work here. I, you know, we have this amazing um, a, a initiative that has come out, or this is what we're doing for the holidays or small businesses, or this is what we did, um, you know, during the pandemic. I think I heard one of your podcasts where you were talking to um, a woman who said that they started manufacturing like PP and um, P for labor, yeah. Yeah. right? Like they were doing like masks and things like that. And a lot of employees take such pride in having their, um, their organization do things like that. And so they want to share that with the world and what better way to hear about what a company is doing than from their own employees. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's um, I think it's one of the most effective tools that you can use. Um, and as internal communicators, it's, it's just, it's gold, right. Um, getting those stories and, you know, anybody can sit in a, in a room and creatives and, you know, brainstorm and come up with, you know, cool messaging and, you know, ideas and things like that. But, when it comes from your people and your people become your brand, um, it's the best thing in the world. It just, it elevates the company so far uh, above. Uh, and I really think that there are opportunities to actually tie that to ROI. Um, I know there've been, you know, like Mercer and some, some of the other uh, big firms have, have done some studies on tying employee engagement to, you know, the bottom line and ROI. Um, but I think the silver lining, uh, if companies could look at everything that happened over the past, you know, 18, 20 months, um, and, and really percolate the, you know, those good stories and, uh, you know, sort of use them, right. Uh, weaponize them and, and put them out there. Um, there's a great opportunity for so many companies to, um, you know, promote themselves even more just through their people. Um, yeah. and, and that'll just, 
in turn uh, help with uh, recruitment and you know attracting more talent, future talent, um, and keeping talent because it's hard to keep talent. And you know it's it's yeah, the stock market is doing well, and you know uh, you know people are spending money, and you know consumer demand demand is so high. So um, you know for the short term, I think that that's a real a real question for any business operator right now is, is how are we going to just maintain and uh you know um supply the demand um and that starts with our people and keeping keeping the talent in place so um so yeah i uh, love to hear that you know you guys do these you know influencer you know campaigns and things like that using employees um yeah. that's, that's fantastic to hear i think once the company knows what their goal is right mm-hmm. so if it's for example attracting and retaining talent it's identifying you know which what is that criteria for selecting employees within their network, within their company, who would be the best amplifiers, right? Or mm-hmm. communicators of attracting and retaining talent of that specific talent maybe um, that need that's there. And then you have to arm those, you know, that set of ambassadors or influencers with like the right tools and the right templates and then, you know, tell them like how to communicate on social media or what to say, what not to say. Um, yeah. Some of those guidelines around that, feeding them the right content and making it as easy as possible for them to talk about the company externally. Um, and then, of course, like setting up some metrics around that. So like you mentioned, the ROI, you know, it's important for the company to understand, like, what is the ROI on this? Are we getting applications from this type of communications channel, right? Mm-hmm. Um so th- those are things that we do all the time with our companies, especially in this type of environment where, you know, when you hear from an employee, that is um, the best way to really understand a company's culture, what they do, where their future is, yeah. and why they want to be there. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is this is all great stuff. Well, Nisha, I know we we kind of went a little bit over here, but I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I think uh, our audience has learned some great insights. Uh, we have a lot of uh, Sherm members and HRCI members that tune into this podcast. So, um, if you'd like to get in touch with Nisha, uh, we'll include her LinkedIn uh, profile link uh, in the description below. So you can uh, uh, connect with her on LinkedIn and, and uh, keep the conversation going because we, we love to connect people and, and peers um, in, our, in our community of uh, employee experience, employee engagement, uh, internal communication uh, folks. So thank you so much, Nisha. I hope, uh, I hope uh, you had a good time talking with us today. Thanks, Yash, I did. And definitely reach out. Happy to help anyone on this, listening to this podcast. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Have a great day, Nisha. Thank you. Bye. Get your free vaccination tracking app powered by HubEngage. Are you looking for a free, easy to use platform that can track vaccination status, record testing results, and screen for symptoms to keep your workplace safe? Many employers are wondering how to manage showing proof of vaccination or providing a weekly negative test result. This process could be cumbersome to set up and manage if it's not automated. At HubEngage, we'd like to help businesses like yours with this. We are offering our employee surveys platform for vaccination tracking at no cost. Yes, you heard it right, for free, to help you manage this process. It's super easy to set up, use our templates, Employees can update you on a weekly basis, download QR codes, employees can scan those QR codes and submit forms. 
we send you an alert when any employee reports a positive test. You can embed or publish this free vaccination tracking app within the HubEngage employee app, Microsoft Teams, Workplace by Facebook, Slack, SharePoint, or any other HRIS employee communications platform. Visit hubengage.com and get started for free today.